Hi! Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we hear from Adam Big Hill, Winnipeg Blue Bomber linebacker, as the CFL schedule is out. And we're starting to talk to the players because CFL football, August 5th, it's back here in Winnipeg. And then we're also going to talk to Tyler Mislachuk, triathlete from Oak Bluff, on his big win this weekend and his hopes for Tokyo next month in the summer games. That's all coming up on the podcast. We wrap up our Blue Bomber conference call bonanza today with Adam Big Hill, Blue Bombers linebacker. And unlike most of the other Blue Bombers that aren't from Winnipeg, he's been here the whole time. He's His home is here in Winnipeg now. And what does he think it means for this city to have football coming back? Well, I mean, being in the city, you know, I think it is a bit different than, you know, maybe being in the States. You know, things have kind of been reopened for a while and in a much different position for the, in the States. Um, and being in the city where, you know, we just won a great cup um, and we haven't been able to play and defend that, uh, you know, for 2020. And, um, you know, people here are, are missing normal life. People here are missing sports. They're missing events. They're missing friends. They're missing, you know, again, normal life. So um, getting this back is a, is a huge step to kind of feeling like things are getting back to a bit of normal. Um, and overall, the passion for the city and this province for for bomber football is, you know, so, so high that, you know, it, it honestly is it's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. And, and um, you know, I mean, seeing and talking to so many people, it's like every conversation I see somebody is, Hey, when are we coming back? I mean, we've been champs two years in a row, but like, we want to go back and win it again. So, um, I mean, I can't go anywhere any day without that being a conversation. And of course, after a bad penalty, the Islanders score on the power play, one all in the first period there. Did it ever cross Adam Big Hill's mind that the CFL would be done? That he'd be done with football? He does have his job as an investment advisor. Uh, you know, I never thought the CFL would be done. I don't, I don't, I think it, there's too much tradition. I think there's too much history and, um, too many people that care about the CFL. So I never thought it would be done. I, I just, you know, always wondered, uh, up to this point, how much would need to be sacrificed and you be able to keep it going or as is or as what we know it to be. Um, you know, and that's kind of what's been the thought process over the period of time and, I think as things have, over the last three or four months, I think, you know, we can only see the things ahead of the CFL are, are brighter than ever coming out of this pandemic and coming forward with opportunities uh, that will be presenting the CFL moving forward. So how do they get off the ground, run, and get off to a good start after being off for so long? Well, I mean, shortened season is, I mean, it just speaks to the importance of, of having a veteran team that can get out and go right away. Um, you know, that's number one. Um, but you know, number two is, is really, you know, always is injuries, but in this year going to be, you know, potential close contacts or people who end up getting COVID. If it, I mean, however that shakes out, whatever that looks like, you know, you might have a roster that, you know, is missing a few guys based on, um, contacts or, you know, being, uh, uh having COVID. So, that's another thing that, you know, can severely impact a game day. So um, edge would be, you know, minimizing those kinds of surprises as well. 
me, and it's going to come down to also management of of the, at the team level, like the, doing everything we can to minimize those those possible transmissions and um, everything of that nature. So structure of that, how the day works, what what process looks like, you know, even that is going to have an edge more so than ever. Talked about uh, what his leadership role will be this year. Obviously, a leader on this team is that going to be even more important now, given the nature of this special season? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, I guess I'll take it back to my experience in 2011 when we won a great cup. And then 2012, we were another very good veteran team. Um, And going into that year, I mean, Wally said there's a reason why teams don't win back-to-back very often. I mean, it's extremely tough to do because people get complacent. They think they're just going to go out there and do what they did before. And it's going to come easier to them, you know. So from my experience, and, and as a leader, um, you know, even to last year's victory and having success as going into playoffs, and we're doing good things, but we can't take it for granted because it's going to be more important that we step it up even more going forward. And now this year, um, the same holds true is that you know you can't let complacency sink in and think that you have it, you got it, you got to keep working through it every single week. I mean, for example. We get to the West Finals first round by in 2012 with the Lions and a very, very good team. And complacency from a couple guys on the, on the team cost the entire season. You know, we should have been in the Great Cup. We should have won another Great Cup back to back. But the fact is, complacency crept in and a couple guys, you know, did not, you know, do, hold up their part. And, it, and I mean, at, at the end of the day, it, it cost them big plays in the game that, you know, change the fate of the season. And so, you know, it, it's never about, um, you know, just in the regular season. It's about the most important moment in the season, right? And the most important moment, it might be, you know, a game to get you to playoffs or it might be in the West Finals to get you to the Great Cup. Like, it doesn't matter when that moment is. The most important thing is that you don't let that moment slip because of complacency and, and you know O'Shea does such a good job of keeping us on on task and focused on on what we've got to accomplish but I mean this is leadership too I mean it's ex- expectations from inside the room you know holding people accountable and I, I think that's what I've always done done well is try to hold people accountable because of the standard I set myself to and the, the way that I work I expect guys to to hold up their end of the deal to me as well as as, as, as teammates. So, um, you know, we'll just keep reiterating that and making sure we get what we want because that's, that's what great teams do. Taking some shots at unnamed former teammates, so didn't put them on total blast, but still seems to be very not happy still with whatever happened back in the day with BC. We haven't had a chance to talk to many players, if any, over the course of the, well, months since the xfl cfl whatever you want to call it started bubbling out so does he have any opinion on the quote-unquote merger potentially you know i I don't know if it's going to be much of extraction this year because i don't think anybody really wants too much of the plans kind of coming out ahead of you know a a close of the cfl regular season um, I think there's always going to be in the back of people's mind speculation on what's going on. Um, so I don't think it's going to throw too much of a loop for this season. But, you know, as far as, like, what it means, I mean, 
it's too early to say um, what it means. I, I can only guess that it's probably not going to be better for the players just off of what I can kind of foresee at this point. I mean, The Rock said, you know, he, he cares about the players and this and that, but, you know, I mean, I don't know, like, did you, the, uh, the, the other leagues down south, XFL, I mean, they didn't have a union. Well, they don't have a league, but they didn't even have a union either. So, um, you know, depending on how things move forward, I mean, and, and not really point in getting too much speculation and talk about it now, I mean, taking care of players means having a union and have a fair agreements and collective bargaining agreements. And, um, you know, so before project too much on what it could look like, those are things for me that are top of mind just making sure that things are going to work out if they ever were to be a major consideration. And an obvious question to a linebacker, how much does he miss tackling people? Yeah, I think the thing I would say is that, um, you know, while having another career and being in the office and, and, and doing that stuff has, has been good and training, I always love training and, and that side of I, like, but I, I honestly just miss hitting people, you know, and, and people ask me that all the time, like, what do you miss? You know, and I just, honestly, I, I miss the physical contact of, of playing football. And um, it's something I've always enjoyed. And when you don't have it for a year and it's gone for a bit, and you, you really feel that even more so, you know. And, um, you know, so I'm used to hitting hitting my teammates in day to day. And then I go to the office, I can't do that. So, you know, I send around office videos of Terry Tate, the office linebacker, you know, let them know that things get out of control. And maybe maybe I'll come back, out of, you know, and, and, and let them know that uh, they got to get back in line. And if you need a refresher on Terry Tate, office linebacker, the Reebok commercials from the early 2000s, well... When we asked Reebok to send us Terry Tate, some people thought we were crazy. But I'm a firm believer in paradigm breaking, outside the box thinking. Hey, buddy. <laughs> Break was over! And since Terry's been with us, our productivity has gone up 46%. We're getting more from our employees than ever before. You know you need a cover sheet or your TPS reports, Richard. That ain't new, baby. Hey, Terry. Hey, Janice. But what's really impressed me is how Terry's become part of the Felcher family. He fits right in here. To be honest, I wish Reebok sent us 10 Terry Tates. You want to play games, Gene? Well, when it's game time, it's pain time, baby. When it's game time, it's pain time. Love it. Adam Big Hill and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So as we uh, told you last night on the show, Tyler Mislachuk, Oak Bluff native, won his World Triathlon Cup uh, third career victory in Mexico on Sunday, and he joins us now on the CJOB Sports Show. Tyler, good evening. Welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So uh, where are you right now? Uh, I'm in uh, Arkansas, Bentonville, Arkansas, a small town in the middle of the U.S. Uh, I just obviously came back from Mexico, and with the 14-day quarantine rule Canada, still I ought to be hanging out here until uh, Tokyo. So why Arkansas? Um, Tokyo is supposed to be really hot and humid, and Arkansas is known for being real muggy. 
in the middle of summer, really hot. Like Friday, it's supposed to be 36 degrees and 85% humidity. So mm. tough conditions. And actually, Walmart was created here. And the guys who uh, own Walmart are huge mountain bikers. And so have created a bunch of trail systems here, which are absolutely beautiful. I just got out on them today. So uh, pretty lucky to be here. So you did some research then and picked out this specific spot to be your kind of Tokyo tune-up? Yeah, yeah, we did, we did a bunch of research, and uh, luckily we know uh, we know a fellow athlete, U.S. athlete here, who uh, who had recommended it, and we we followed up, and we ended up in Arkansas. Not your typical training spot, but here we are. And I'm guessing COVID-wise, things are pretty open there. Yeah, I mean, um, the vaccine rollout in the U.S. in general is uh, has been pretty quick. Um, and here, yeah, pretty open in general. Uh, I haven't been home to Canada since January. I've been on in the in the U.S. or racing. So uh, obviously, I don't I, I follow the news, but I don't really know the exact landscape depending on where you are in Canada. What what things look like versus here. Fair enough. So uh, let's go back to Sunday. You get this win in Mexico. Uh, how did it feel to to cross the finish line in first? Um. Pretty good, but I'd say a little bit of relief uh, as well. I, I've only raced, this is my second race in almost 20 months with COVID, just not being able to travel or race. Uh, um, I obviously, I trained really hard over the last, you know, 18 to 20 months, like really, really hard. Uh, but not, training is 99.9%, and then the other 0.1% is actually racing. Uh, so that 99.9% doesn't really matter if you don't convert on that 0.1%. So obviously a big relief off my shoulders that I was able to get off uh, that race. I'd raced three weeks earlier in Lisbon, Portugal, and that was my first one. I got a flat tire, so some really bad luck there. So even uh, a little bit more added pressure myself after that one. So is this your last tune-up then in terms of an actual race before the Olympics? Um, so I'm racing once more in uh, about 10 days before Tokyo exactly. I'm going to race in uh, Long Beach, California. It's a uh, it's a Continental Cup there, so a bit lower level race. But uh, with my lack of racing over the last two years, I just wanted kind of uh, almost like a practice tune-up. So not too worried about how it goes, but just going through the motions one more time. Uh, there's nothing like uh, you can train as much as you want, but there's nothing like it is. Game, professional sports league, they can go and you know shoot in the gym or shoot pucks on on the ice. It, the, the best thing to get in game shape is to, to play the game. So for you, obviously, you haven't raced much. Is that the same with basically all the triathletes, that they just haven't been doing much because they haven't been able to, or is this specific to you? Um, it's, it's, it's different for everyone. So last year in September, there was a whole European circuit, which uh, basically the entire world race except for four countries, which I believe were Canada, uh, New Zealand, Australia, and some, somewhere in South America, I can't remember, but basically everyone raced but us. So I, we were obviously at a bit of a disadvantage missing four or five races at the end of last year, which are high-level races. So uh, a bit late to get started, but on terms of the rest of the Canadians, uh, we're all kind of, we're just really happy to be back and uh, you know doing what we train to do. So let's talk about Tokyo. First of all, do you feel comfortable going to the games in terms of uh, the COVID situation? Yeah, 100%. I mean, um the sporting the sporting world is doing it all around the world, and I, I really don't see how how it's not possible to do it safely in a bubble. I mean, you're seeing uh, you're seeing basically things run normal 
in a, in a lot of parts in the world and then just creating safe bubbles. I mean, these are what the last two races I went to, you know, you're staying in your hotel, you're not doing much, um, you know, safety is number one priority. And obviously an event as big as the Olympics that uh, they're going to have everything covered. So yeah, no worries at all. If you don't mind me asking, are you vaccinated? I am vaccinated. Yes. So yeah. I'm sure that that adds to the comfort then. Yeah, and uh, I think that uh, that's obviously my choice, and I think that no matter what, I think that the games will be run in such a tight and different manner than in previous games. Um, there's so much time and, and money and energy go- gone into planning this, so uh, I, th- I think that it'll just be an adjustment for the athletes being there. Different who have been in the Olympics in the past, it's a different different way to do it. But uh, I think when it when it comes together, I think it'll be pretty special. Now you won the the Olympic test event, right? Back in the day, it seems now. Yeah, that was almost two years ago now. But I won the original Tokyo Olympic test event in 2019. And so, does that mean anything now, or is that just too long ago to to really impact you now going into this? Uh, I mean, it's the exact same course and the exact same conditions with pretty much all the exact same athletes. Uh, you're just two years further down the road. Um, and I'm probably a better athlete than I was two years ago. Um, so now, like I said, it's converting that 99.9% into that 0.1% on on race day. Um, I'm going there with like a, one goal is to win a medal. I have a preferred color of that medal. So uh, we'll see if I'm able to complete it, but obviously everyone in the race is trying to do the exact same thing. How big is the field? Uh, 55 guys uh, can qualify from around the world, which it actually just finished in this weekend, and Hotoko was the, the last Olympic qualifier to qualify countries and spots and nations. So, yeah, they race over – it was originally two-year period, but obviously it's a three-year period now to qualify their country a spot and or individual so uh it's a long long process for a lot of athletes racing all around the world to get enough points to get their country a spot and uh it's, yeah, it just finished up this weekend in mexico how many other canadians are going to be competing uh we got two men and two women which will also now officially a new event the mixed relay which is everyone does a small triathlon which takes about 20 minutes and then basically you know passes off pass the baton not actual baton but same idea as like a four by 100 meter on the track. So we'll, uh, we'll have, we'll have four athletes and the team hasn't officially been announced. So, uh, I think that will be coming in, in in the coming weeks, uh, I would assume or, or sooner. So we'll wait for that, uh, official announcement to see who's all on, uh, representing Canada. So this is a, a new Olympic event then mini triathlon. Yeah. Or, sorry. It, relay. Uh, pardon me. Race. It's yeah. It's relay. And it's been raced and triathlon for probably 10 years. Um, but it's his first appearance in the Olympics. They've been running world championships in that, and it's usually one of the most popular events because, you know, you have four athletes, and that's four times the things that can go right or four times the things that can go wrong. So uh, a lot can happen, and it's a lot more unpredictable. So you're looking at a chance here to maybe get a couple medals then. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, you know, with the relay, I think that Canada – on an A-day, can have a really good race. Um, but, again, there's so many factors in a relay, right or wrong, that, again, like I said, you can you can go win a medal or you could, you know, come 15th. There's just a lot of factors, as you know, in any team sport that you can only control your how you do, and uh, you can't control others. You can, you can cheer for them loud, but 
you can't control how they do. So here we are. Uh, when is the date of the triathlon in the Olympics? Is it towards the start, towards the end? Where does it fall in the uh, the Olympic calendar? July 27th. So uh, I'm not sure exactly where that falls now. Near the start. Um, yeah. So I, I'll get there about a week before or five days before, which isn't the same as I normally would because obviously I'm entering a bubble as the plan. I'm still waiting for final details, but I'll do about a week before and uh, yeah, do the race. Then four days later, I'll have the relay and then quickly, shortly after, leave Japan, I'd imagine, because I, I continue racing for the rest of the year. So the Olympics, not the end of things. It's not building up to the, I mean, there is a build up to the Olympics, but it's not like you just go on the couch after the Olympics are done, right? No, so Olympics is definitely the most important race for me this year. But, uh, you know, as a professional triathlete, there's a lot of racing outside of that. So I'll do a race series, uh, which is like kind of a, a more dramatic TV race series called Super League, which um, is kind of similar to the mixed relay where it's short, shorter triathlons. And uh, I'll do that after the Olympics as well and then probably wind down after that. And then I'll sit on the couch and relax. <laughs> Well, Tyler, appreciate your time as always. Thanks for coming on again, and we hope you get the uh, preferred medal color of your choice in Tokyo. (laughs) Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Be well. Cheers. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course. That is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again.